It is Tuesday, July the 30th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And that was quite a, like, uh, authoritative tone you had there. It is Tuesday. Hey, what are you, are you feeling like... Uh Something you need to make a statement? Are you about to read a prepared statement, Will? Yes. Uh, just before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to read from this, these prepared notes that the club and I have come to a mutual agreement on. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll awkwardly leave and you can talk about who's going to replace me behind my back as if I was never here. Oh, a caretaker podcaster. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, that would be the way. Based on the form in the AFL this year, we need to sack each other from this podcast on a weekly basis and bring in the <laughs> a caretaker podcast host. Just on that, on the caretaker thing, I've got a uh, legal question for you, Will. Mm-hmm. So the Saints now won two in a row, uh, boosting our percentage, a very outside chance of making the finals, right? In Alan Richardson's contract at the start of the year was a trigger clause that he would get an immediate uh, an immediate extension if we made yep. finals this year. So if the Saints make the finals, yep. can he come back and say, ah, Immediately. Ah, with a contract. Trigger clause. You've got to honour my I contract. Th- do, they have to, do they have to win a final or just make the finals? Just make the finals, I believe. Okay. Well, in that case, I believe in the first round of the finals, who's St Kilda make the finals... Brett Ratton should be going out to shake whoever they're playing. So he's going out to shake. So they finish eighth, let's say, and they end yep. up playing Collingwood. So he's yep. going out to shake Nathan Buckley's hand. And just as he's about to shake Nathan Buckley's hand, like all the music stops dead quiet. And then a spotlight is on Richo holding a contract as he walks down onto the ground, uh, throws his contract on the ground and shake Nathan Buckley's hand and then goes back to the huddle and briefs the boys. So it's WWE style. Are they like they, when they do contract signings in the middle of the ring? It's just like we hold up the game and we let Richo come out to the center of the MCG week one of the finals. Well, if he's got a contract, and, he's got a contract, Charlie. That's his trigger. They made the finals. Yeah. And he should come out not just rich on his own. He should come out with his agent, who should then grab the microphone and read out to the 90,000 people at the MCG the clauses and subsections of Richo's contract. Yeah, actually. That's, that, so Richo comes down through the crowd with a team of lawyers and accountants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they interrupt the national anthem <laughs> to grab the mic. <laughs> So his lawyer can run through the contract. Whoa, 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 Guy Sebastian. I'm going to let you finish. But I've just got to say that Alan Richardson is the best coach in the AFL. Two weeks in a row, you and I have watched the Bulldogs together. Uh, I was going to say, just on briefly on oh, yeah. caretake, caretaker coaches. Yeah. Because uh, I've also had a thought about caretaker coaches. All right. Give it to me. So your caretaker, that's like using that term caretaker, right? Mm-hmm. So it's essentially someone to come in and look after the property while the, you know, traditional owners are, are away or whatever, right? Is there a chance that you could... Well, traditional owners is probably the wrong term. The owners. Wrong term. Yeah. The owners, yeah. yeah. The owners, not the traditional owners. Um, They're not getting nothing. No, absolutely. Boo! <laughs> Etc. Yeah. <laughs> we know where's my Where's my documentary? <laughs> um... Uh, could next season, what about the possibility of Airbnb the coaching position? Ah, yes. So, good idea. Literally, you say during the season, Brett Ratton says, Yeah, I agree to come and coach um, down at St Kilda, but I'm not, I'm not doing 20 games. Fuck that mm. shit. Like, I, mm. I want four weeks off during the season, and during that time, you can Airbnb style have other. Other coaches could like apply for the position, but essentially anyone could. You or I could be coach of the Saints for a week. Well, do you think, though, if they did that, then Mick Malthouse would just be taking all the availabilities? If every coach said, I'm going to take four weeks off a year, Mick Malthouse, he'd be, he'd be on the internet faster than you could say Mick Malthouse, wouldn't he? He'd just be <laughs> checking himself in for every job. We've got a booking under every round for every team under M Malthouse. <laughs> 
You know who Mick Malthouse reminds me of? It's like, you know how like, you know, in, in Australia, like you could be like a like an Ian Turpy or a Tony Barber or whatever, and you're riding high for 10, 15 years. You know, you're a host of Sale of the Century or The Price is Right or something. And then your time comes and networks move on and they get some younger, fresher talent. But you're still this old song and dance man. And so you'll do the RSLs and you'll come out and you'll play a big guitar and you'll do a song and dance. And at the drop of a hat, you could get one of those guys to come MC your event or do a corporate function and doesn't take any encouragement to play a guitar. That's Mick Malthouse when it comes to coaching. Like, get into a sportsman's night. He's got some opinions on coaching. He's still got some ideas. He's still got the fire in the belly. Can I ask you, did you see any of the footage from the premiere of uh, Moulin Rouge? They're bringing the live Moulin Rouge show to Australia and there was a big sort of premiere and launch of that uh, in the last couple of days. I didn't see anything from it. Why? So Baz Luhrmann seems to have entirely based his new look on Mick Malthouse. Like, you... Have to see some photos from Mike Howell. Right. If you can Google any photos from ba- a Baz Luhrmann from the Moulin Rouge sort of premiere a couple of days Musical. ago, and see, if, yeah, see if you can it's find. The, I, think a, the, um, I think it, I think it's Broadway. It's just premiered on Broadway, so that would probably be the most okay. recent recent stuff. So what, let me, without having seen the photos yet. So he's got the kind of uh, David Niven moustache, uh, the, the, the salt, the salt and pepper hair. But is he wearing? I'm confused. Is he wearing like a Carlton polo? <laughs> As well, <laughs> <laughs> well, he looks like he is appearing in Mick Malthouse the musical. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Call Eddie Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Perfect and Baz Luhrmann collaborate on Mick Malthouse the musical. The, I just listened to an interview. There's a, a new podcast out called Sacked, Sacked. Uh, which is uh, can't remember who the journalists are, but they they chat to uh, you know various coaches like Grant Thomas and Mick Malthouse and Guy McKenna about you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a of a, of a sacking. Um, it's such a great concept for a podcast. Like the idea great. of like you know you're going to get good content from getting people who were bundled out of a job they didn't think they should be bundled out of and then just let them air all their grievances in the safety of the podcast studio. Well, it's funny. The funny thing about the Mick Malthouse one is you kind of know where he's going to go. Like, I don't think Mick was... Mick doesn't have a poker face. Like, when that succession plan was drawn up and, you know, he sort of didn't really hold much back. But the interesting thing when you listen to it is and when you know that Mick still has aspirations of coaching again... Is this whole discussion right now, it's been a lot because of mental health is such an issue in the AFL now about, well, what does a coach need to be these days? And, you know, they need to be a balance of kind of like compassionate, but also, you know, they've got to be authoritarian and all that kind of stuff. The balance between the carrot and stick, so to speak. But when you hear Mick talk, <laughs> like there is no carrot. It's no. all stick. And well, the fact actually, that he- once he brought a carrot to training and then he just used it like a stick to hit people. <laughs> People are like, oh, it's great. We finally got a carrot. But no, it was just a stick disguised as a carrot. But I just, when you hear him talk on this podcast, you wonder like, it feels like the world changes like dramatically every year, but especially since he's been at the helm, I think he wouldn't know what he's dealing with, with the kind of players today. Like the things that you need to be conscious of with players today. I just don't know Mick would have the language for it. No, I think he'd be really good with mental health problems because who better to understand mental health problems than someone who's created so many mental health problems in people? <laughs> yeah, a guy who's responsible for more anxiety in young yeah. men. I get anxiety. Everyone has anxiety around me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's his everyone, pro- that's his everyone except for Daisy it. Thomas has got anxiety around me. Michael, have you found those photos of uh, Baz Baz Malthouse? Oh, oh yes, oh. <laughs> that is very Mick Malthouse. Wow, wee! Like, because uh, I'm only looking at a tiny thumbnail in our message window, and if I, yeah. I don't even need to squint my eyes to say that I would think that was Mick Malthouse. You're right, a hundred percent. Mick Malthouse the musical. <laughs> Which makes sense because Hannah Gadsby wrote that um, show about Mick, Malth- Mick Malthouse's wife, Nanette. <laughs> yeah. I cannot hear, because you know how Mick always mentions Nanette? It's always tough on Nanette. Whatever's happening, he'll, he'll roll in. I, I'm fine with the criticism that's coming my way. But you know who the real victim of this is? Nanette. 
And it's meant to be one of those things where we're all meant to be like, oh, yeah, poor Nanette. Nanette didn't ask for this. But it's, it's Mick who's bringing it upon Nanette. None of us have gone out of our way to be critical of Nanette. But now I also can't hear him say Nanette without thinking he's referring to the Hannah Gadsby stand-up special. And so you haven't heard this episode of Sacked, have you? No. Because you bring up Nanette literally- a lot? <laughs> yes, that is literally in the first five minutes. And it's like, I, I was a bit confused then because that's almost exactly the context he uses it in, which is like, look, you know, I don't mind what people say about me, but, you know, I think about Nanette. And it's like, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> it would be great if you didn't know his wife's name was Nanette and it was just yeah. the whole time you, you thought he was like, but think about Nanette. And you're like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, women have been treated pretty badly by our society. You're right. You have made me think Mick Malthouse. I think that maybe we should like somehow connect Baz Luhrmann to Mick Malthouse's story if he's not yes. aware of it because the name Mick Malthouse, like if you went to see a musical called Mick Malthouse, you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah it's like Willy Wonka. It's like, you know, Sweeney Todd. It has mm. that kind of musical theatre name. If you, if you and your friends were going off to catch the latest uh, Broadway uh, sensation Mick Malthouse, <laughs> it sounds like appropriate, right? Yeah, he's the boy wizard, Mick Malthouse. He's Harry yeah. Potter's mate. You know, nominated Mick, for not nominated for seven Tonys, Mick Malthouse. Mick Malthouse, the musical. I mean, Triple there's M. even a theatre <laughs> called the Malthouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They started at the Malthouse. It premiered at the Malthouse. Now, what I was going to say was, uh, we've watched two weeks in a row. I've watched Bull Day, Bulldogs games with you. Yes. And uh, you guys are good on the weekend. Where was that team last week? I mean, we did to Fremantle what you did to us, which was in the second half of the first quarter, six, score six goals in like a minute. And mm. like, I think Fremantle were like last week when I was watching with you, I was really like halfway through the first quarter. I was like, oh, everything's fine. And then it felt like I just looked away for a second and you guys had kicked six goals. And, and I, I guess we just watched the replay of you guys doing that. And Bevo's advice to us was just do that. Yeah. Just like just halfway through the first quarter while they're not concentrating, kick six goals in a row. It was a great tactic but- we picked up from Brett Ratton. <laughs> What's funny, because all the uh, stuff I've been reading in the Monday papers about, you know, the weekend's footy, it's like, Bulldogs are coming. Bulldogs yep. are, the, are the team outside the eight that everyone's Here we scared come. of. They're coming yeah, now, the I, Bulldogs. I, I was like, yeah, but did you not see last week? <laughs> they lost. They lost quite significantly. I mean, why, why was that just considered the, the bounce that people, the, the, the caretaker bounce that people are attributing that to? Yeah, they're writing it off as caretaker bounce, but we've won four of the last five, I think. So yeah. that was kind of our aberration in this season of aberrations. But the problem is that we need to win every single game until the end of the season, really, to to get into the and, eight. So if we if we manage lot, to do right? that, well, no, if we the reason we have to win them all is because our percentage is bad. So yeah, we're, we're going to have to win an extra game basically to yeah. get into the eight, and we can't finish equal with anybody. And we've got some yeah. pretty good sides coming in our direction. So I think we'll struggle. But the, it's one of those ones where any side that makes it, because the funny thing is that the Saints can still make it. The Blues mm. mathematically can still make the finals. You know, there's a whole bunch of teams that actually can still make the finals. It, it'll mm. just be the team that gets a good run on towards the finals. But when the Bulldogs are up and about, like they were on the weekend, either Fremantle were terrible or the Bulldogs were playing so well they made Fremantle look terrible. It might be a bit of both, I, but... I think I think a bit of both. I mean, Frio, Frio can still make it as well. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. Well, that'll be well, a turnaround. I think what we can be certain of, just say there's five teams vying for that eighth spot. Maybe there's only one team who are the Bulldogs who have a significant ability to cause any damage once they get in there. Like they, it could be a St Kilda, it could be a Carlton, it could be like a Fremantle. But do you really expect those guys to beat any of the teams above them? Probably not. Whereas the Bulldogs have done a good job of beating teams above them this year. And well, I mean, in 2016, you, you know, if you talk yes. about club, club DNA, the Bulldogs club yeah, DNA yeah. is that if we sneak into the finals, we reckon we can win it. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, I mean, two so, things stood out in that game. Um, uh, uh, faces, I should say. Two faces stuck out, and I brought it up okay. at the time. One is that Lockie Hunter. Lockie Hunter permanently looks bemused. Like, every time they, they did cut to a close-up of him, he looked either surprised to have the football, surprised at a decision that was paid for him or against him, just constantly bemused. It's like he doesn't even know he's an AFL footballer. I it's think like, bemused... 
I think bemused is right, but I do not think that surprised is right because <laughs> surprise indicates like a bit more than he ever lets on. He is yeah. bemused. He is quizzical. Yeah, he's like, quizzical. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's, resting quizzical face. Yeah. <laughs> RQF. As I said to you, he looks like he should be doing the cutaways to camera on The Office. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. He's got gym face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine when Bevo's trying to get a laugh out of the boys on a Monday morning review when he's cutting together the footage, he just gets some reaction shots and cuts them in from Lockie Hunter just to amuse people. <laughs> JJ kicks one on. out on the fool or something, and then they just cut to Lockie Hunter's face being quizzical. Yeah, just next time you see a Bulldogs game, just keep an eye on Lockie Hunter's face. Every time they cut to a close-up, bemused. The other face is Sam Lloyd. Now, before we watched the game, I showed you a, a video of a deep fake, which was Tom, Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise's face, you know, cast over an impersonator. Kind of a little uncanny valley action going on. Then we're watching Sam Lloyd, and I was like, there's something about his face that bothers me. Will. I don't know what it is. And then you hit the nail right on the head. You said, Sam Lloyd looks like a deep fake of Gia. Yeah. Someone has deep fake Gia's face and put it on like a, a bulldog's jumper. And that is Sam Lloyd. We've actually said to Sam Lloyd, because I have no memory of what Sam Lloyd looked like when he was at Richmond. So yeah. it may well have been part of our deal that we're like, hey, Sam. Or maybe it was from Sam's side. Maybe yeah. Sam had always thought that, you know, Daniel G in Syracuse was a very handsome man, which he is a very, very handsome man. And he'd always admired him, maybe had a poster of him on the wall when he was growing up. And he said, yeah, mm. I'll come to the Bulldogs. I'll kick you a couple of goals a game, but there's only one deal that we're going to do here. Have you guys heard of deep fakes? <laughs> Have you got some fun of the G lying face. <laughs> it's something about the eyes. Like the thing about Uncanny Valley that makes it uncanny is there's like a yeah. deadness in the eyes. And I think Sam Lloyd has that deadness. <laughs> well, like maybe that's why he's such an accurate shot for goal. I mean, there is something about him that does look like he's been edited in. Just when yes. you see him on the field, you're like, oh, did they have to fix, it, fix that up in post? Like, yeah. you just, there's something about his face that you can't quite concentrate on. And I guess it's also because he has that, because he is one of those kind of journeyman footballers, like GOP. You know, like you said, he'll be good for, you know, 50 or so games, two goals a game for a while. But you can't imagine him becoming like, you know, a best and fairest or anything like that. So there is this kind of... What's the word when some when something is like, like ubiquitousness to him? Like he's kind of there, but he's not really doesn't really stand out. But he'll you know he'll bob up from time to time. He's just got this kind of he's generic. <laughs> like if you were playing a video game and you had to have a generic player in the background, that would be Sam Lloyd. Well, okay, so let me pitch you this then: um, Who would be your favourite player to come back and play for the Saints if you could get anybody? Like from the past. From the past. Any player from the past. Nicky Winmar. Anyone. Okay, Nicky Winmar. Bring Nicky Winmar back. Okay, yeah. so you get like an in, another Indigenous player who's not as good as Nicky Winmar, but yeah. you make them wear a Nicky Winmar mask for nostalgia's sake. Well, so we like, drafted Nicky Winmar's nephew, whose name was yeah. Nicholas Winmar, and he wasn't very good. I mean, that, he would have been a prime candidate. We could have put Nicky's face on. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, you can't trust that relatives are going to be able to play as well as them. Yeah, not no, but I just thought be... maybe for body shape and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you well, want yeah, to that's perfect. Him. Like, you know how yeah. you get, like, often people will get their brother or whatever. Brad Pitt will have Doug Pitt be his stunt yeah, double stand and his body double yeah. and his standing and stuff. So, essentially, you know, you're like, hey, we'd love to have you at the Saints. To be honest, you're not the greatest player in the world, but if you're willing... <laughs> to every week, just so our fans can pretend they're watching Nicky Wimmer wear this face mask, 3D printing face mask technology to look like Nicky Wimmer. Yeah. So you get like one of those, you know, those um, uh, fire retardant masks that like Formula One yeah. drivers wear. They're those kind of those satin masks. One of those, but with Nicky Winmar's face printed on top. So it just pulls it on before every game. I mean, it'd be really good until Sam Newman wore it on the reboot of the footy show. <laughs> But the thing about Sam is once he takes it off, you're like, oh, that fire retardant didn't work at all. That guy's clearly been burnt to it. <laughs> melting. Um, yeah, but the Bulldogs were good. Uh, it's like yep. there's still some hope left in the season. It's still The downside, of course, was uh, Dale Morris doing his 
ACL again, so that was pretty sad news. I mean, he obviously got to play in that game with Riley West, who, I mean, how much does Riley West look like Scott West, like on the football yeah. field? Who looks more like their dad, him or Jack Silvani? Oh. Both are mini-me's. Like, there was a photo, in, I think it was in the Herald Sun, maybe The Age yesterday, of Riley West, like, and it was his left foot snap, that goalie kick. Yeah. And his hair's flowing, just the angle of his face, that nose, like it looks exactly like his dad. And then you see yeah. Jack Silvani with the long sleeves running around, that rag doll flopping about and like, ah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, and we, okay? are fish- we are officially of that age now where we saw their dads and now we're seeing their sons. Is it okay to make their sons dress more like their dads? Would we have enjoyed Gary Ablett Jr.'s career more if they'd made him cut his hair into the shape of Gary Ablett Sr.'s hair? And, and grow a little moustache. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon for retro round or heritage round, yeah. that's what they should do. In heritage round, any father-sons have to adopt the look that their father yeah. had while they played. I love it. Yeah. We, we'll get you out of the father-son, but you have to agree the fact that in heritage round, you dress exactly like your dad did when they played football. So for Jack Silvani then, like, because I was thinking that as well. It's like, isn't that interesting that both of them, because long sleeves in the AFL are yeah. very particular. It's not very common. And the fact that he chose to go long sleeves, I was like, oh, is that because he grew up watching his dad and he's like, well, you know, real footballers wear long sleeves. Or there was no temptation for him to go, well, I'm not my dad. I'm a different person. I'm going to separate myself as much as possible. I mean, he must have known. People have, must have told him his entire junior career, oh my God, like you're the spitting image of your father. Not so much in the face. It's just more his gait and the way he plays and that sort of like, like I said, that floppy ragdoll body. So he must have made a conscious decision that this is going to bring comparisons to me and my dad, right? Maybe Carlton just made him. Maybe he was like, I want short sleeves. But every week when he got to his locker, there was a long sleeve jumper in there. And he finally just went, oh, all right, fuck it. Well, what? Okay, so if it's if it's heritage round and he's got to look like his dad, do you go for the flat top, uh, flat top era Steve Silvani, or do you go for the floppy haired mid nineties Steve Silvani? I mean, just because it would really commit to the look, I'm saying floppy haired mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally floppy hair mid nineties Steve Silvani, full back of the century era Steve Silvani, because flat yeah. top is kind of when. He was still young and he was still like son of Serge establishing himself. We were talking about this. Was it you were talking about the other day? Like every footballer when they start has a short back inside. Oh yeah, I was talking about Rowan Marshall. My mate was saying, you know, Rowan Marshall's going to be a superstar. And I'm like, you watch. Rowan Marshall right now has a short back inside. It's just like Peter Everett did when he started at St Kilda. Four years time, dreadlocks. <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> every player when they start their career has a sensible haircut. Very few come in like, you know, with the dreadlocks. But about halfway through this season, you remember when like Bryce Gibbs started short back and sides, then he got like a like a man bun. <laughs> That's why I'm really impressed with uh, Bailey Smith and how well yes. he's adapted to AFL. I mean, to come into his first season, he's not going to win the Rising Star because Sam Walsh will, but the confidence of, you know, wearing that haircut every week in your in your first season, and it's for charity, he's doing it for charity, but also just... There's a lot of attention in your first year to be rocking a full mullet like he is. There's a few players like that I've noticed. There's a player at the Saints called Nick Caulfield mm. who's got um, a long mullet perm. He looks a bit like uh, uh, um, the, the bad guy from Stranger Things. And then I heard him interviewed, and that's not for charity. That's just a dare that he lost or, or some, he's, in, he's got some bet with the players at the club. But every team, there's a, there's a couple of those like deliberately i think they're ironic haircuts i think they are hipster haircuts i guess that'd be well i think that there's nothing that bonds a team like a a couple of people with an out there haircut like i mean i know that we've talked about haircuts a lot on this show and it becomes you know shorthand for the fact that we never talk about proper afl but i'm going to put forward the theory that haircuts are, are a vital cog to a team bonding and I don't really trust your team unless there's somebody in that team like there's no mistake to me yeah, that Hawthorne had, Hawthorne had a much better season last season when Stratton had the mullet Stratton's yeah. like got rid of the mullet Hawthorne are struggling a bit more than they were last season I'm going to say the only difference is the mullet you need at least one player in your team with a distinctive haircut don't you yeah like you think it like dusty at Richmond let's go through the teams and, and pick their haircuts. <laughs> yeah, but rate their premiership t- chances based on the team synchronicity that comes from haircuts. 
Okay, so what's the first haircut you think of when you think of um, Collingwood? Collingwood. Um, oh, Grundy. Dugowie. Grun- Grun- oh, Grundy. No, no you're right. Grundy, because he's got that kind of chopstick, you know, like samurai long hair. hair. Yeah, um, gr- okay. Grundy, Grundy number one, but Dugowie number two. Like the Dugowie... Yeah. Dugowie's got that Dustin Martin style, I'm the man, you know, sort of haircut. Yeah. So then we said Dusty at the Tigers, uh, followed by Trent Cotchin's Just Cuts $15 haircut. Yeah. Well, we know that everything went wrong with them in the prelim last year when he got himself a King's Domain $55 job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know who ruined Richmond's premiership chances? Joey Scandizzo. (laughs) Yeah, so Hawthorne, Strat, Ben Stratton, but they don't really have any kind of distinctive haircuts now, do they? There's no one that really stands out. I, I can't mm. think of anybody off the top of my head who at Hawthorne who... But you think of the glory days, you know, Dermot, Dunstall, yeah. Gary Ayres. Oh, Gary Ayres. Yeah, you know, they're, they're always a team that has seen the value. Like their greatest teams had some of their greatest era of haircuts. Well, I guess that's a difference, isn't it? Maybe that's why Hawthorne's been so successful mm. is that they... Rather than just have ironic haircuts, they just had haircuts that were on brand for that era. Like, think about yeah. Shane Crawford. Shane Crawford's evolution is like a boy band's evolution. He had the most current haircut of the time for every year that he played. Yeah, you can tell what year it is in uh, Shane Crawford's career based on his look. Much like yeah. seeing old photos of Justin Timberlake. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you like, look at him now and he's like a stylish sort of, you know, guy in a suit all the time. You're like, Justin Timberlake's always had amazing style. Oh, do yourself some Googling, people. There was some bad looks in that back catalogue. Uh, Cam Rayner would be the Brisbane haircut, wouldn't he? Because he had the... Uh, or he, 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 he... Rayner's got rid of his, though. He's got rid um, of his, but, but it would have been the most distinctive haircut. Hipwood? Or, what about Hipwood? What a, well, he's got a lot of ponytail, does he? Yeah, it's kind of... I think like Cam, Rain is, Cam Rain is the one. Like, if you were to look at the list, mm. you know, if you're lining up, up against that team, you would look at Cam... Cam Rain is, would draw your eye first. Oh, what about um, the guy who used to be at Geelong? Mitch. Uh, Chris, oh, Christensen. No. Christensen's rocking oh, a pretty yeah. wild yeah. man because he's got the facial hair that goes with it as well. Yeah. He's, got, isn't the, he's rocking the Mark Zanotti, keeping the Mark Zanotti alive. And I think we've got to give a shout out if we're talking about tight and high, Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson always, like, he's always rocking a haircut that looks like he thinks he's going to be recruited by the Navy SEALs at any moment. Yeah, or a white supremacist group. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very functional. Uh, Carlton, you'd say, does Sam Petrescu Seaton still have the rat's tail? Can I ask, how does Daniel Rich's look count? Is that a haircut or is that like a... Because Daniel Rich is having his best ever season and I feel like he's really grown into his kind of, his look. Yeah, he should really be playing for a Western Australian team. Yeah, I mean, he is from WA and that hair, and I'd say his hair has never, I, want, I feel like he must have come in short back and sides like a lot of them do, but I feel like he's had that haircut for quite some time. It's not really that outrageous anymore because he's just stuck with it. No, but I do that like that sort of like the fact that he's grown into the beard and the haircut and the sort of way that he plays. Surfy. It all just seems to, yeah. yeah. This kind of surfy Thor. meets surfy Thor. meets surfy Thor meets, meets Thor. Nick Offerman sort of look. Nick Offerman, yeah, from Parks and Rec. Yeah, he's just got this kind of practical of the earth sort of element to him now. Yeah, like a carpenter. Yeah, like a surfing, like a Tim like Winton. A surfy carpenter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was the Tim Winton of AFL. <laughs> uh, at the Blues, I'd say Sam Petrescu Seaton, if he still has the red yep. tails, would be the most distinctive haircut. It's a pretty good haircut. Sam Walsh, um, short back and sides, give it oh, four man. years. He'll be, ropper, he'll be ropping, rocking a top knot or something. I don't know about Sam Walsh. I think Sam Walsh is going to be, he just strikes me as one of those guys who is forever going to like look like the Sam Trent Walsh Cotchin. right now. The Trent Cotchin yep. of Carlton, all right. Uh, yep. Over in Adelaide. Uh, what about at Carlton? Uh, what about Kerno? Oh. Is Kerno's got a distinctive? Ah, oh, yeah, hair? the floppy, the floppy curls, yep. and it's very reminiscent of Cuda as well. Yeah, the golden curls. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so at Adelaide, I mean, it's a long time ago, but Tex had that mullet for a long time, oh, yeah. and he's got the moustache. Does facial hair count, or is it all just hair on top of their head? 
I mean, I think it's part of the look, but it can't get you across the line. No. Maybe that's Adelaide's problem. I can't think of any yeah. crazy haircuts in that side. I mean, like, when you think of the Crouches, when you think of all those guys, they, they're they kind of like boring, reliable players, boring, reliable Rory, haircuts. Even Rory Sloan got a sensible haircut. He used to have longer yeah. hair, and he you, got a sensible haircut. Have we found the problem? That yeah. Where's their, where's their creativity? Where's their flamboyance? Where's yeah. somebody who's got, like, a, you know, a decent haircut? Yeah, maybe in that preseason camp, they also mm. got a bunch of haircuts for free. <laughs> Cheap haircuts. Uh, West Coast. Well, let's see. Oh, you know what? Um, uh, Jetta had that crazy old man haircut for a while. Yep. Do you remember that? Loved he sort it. of shaved into the, the, the Hulk Hogan kind of... Shaved in a ball patch. Board on top. Yep. Yeah. So that, and then you've also got JJK with his wild man look. Absolutely. Uh, That's a problem. Uh, North. That's a top to bottom. Ben Brown, the kangaroos, pretty obviously just that big floppy 70s Godspell hair. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anyone else there? Well, well you know what, I, you know what I'm going to nominate? Who? I'm going to nominate Jack Zebel, who has the haircut of like a grade four person. Who's like, like whatever that weird little comb down at the front he always looks like a kid who's like had his hair slicked down by his mum to go to church uh, or something. Yeah. His yeah. hair is inappropriate for the the task that he is performing. It's like when you see Bart Simpson go to church. Yeah. You know? And exactly. And his spikes get parted to the side. <laughs> I describe my look as best as Bart Simpson goes to church. Uh, we've talked about the Saints. I'd say, yeah, Nick Caulfield's got the craziest hair and Hunter Clark with his little headband. Uh, the Demons. Hmm. Who's got the headband? It's uh, uh, Hunt. Not Harms. Is it H- Hunt? Hunt? Is it Hunt? Mm. Yeah. Can't think of anyone. I mean, you'd think that maybe Petrarca is due for a kind of Rainer type. If Petrarca, maybe that's what's been holding Petrarca back. Yeah. Like he hasn't got himself a mohawk yet. If he got like a dusty style, because he's the same kind of bullocking player who should be in the midfield a bit more. I reckon if if Christian Petrarca got a mohawk, it might that might be the thing that clicks for him and makes him the A grader that we all think he can be. So I, I saw a statistic that said he's actually had a of all the Melbourne players, Petrarca's actually had not a bad season in the end. Like mm. you know, I don't know, you know, his numbers are okay anyway. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe they've gone too far the other way. Like, you know, we heard that down at Melbourne, some of them got a bit too ahead of themselves. But the problem is with Petrarca, I reckon he's gone the other way. He he came in ahead of himself yeah. and he sort of toned it down a bit. No, that's the wrong thing for him. That's not who he, who yeah. he is. No, he needs a mohawk. He's gone to Melbourne. Like, I don't know that Melbourne tolerates anything other than a short back and sides. I mean, it's got to look good with your chambray shirt and your iron-free slacks. Yeah, but it's got to—it's got to be a haircut that they let you in the MCC members. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, do you reckon, having seen the kind of year that Jake String is having now, and the way they yep. threw him into the middle against the Suns, that to me seems like what Petrarca should be doing, right? Like he's primarily a forward; he doesn't have the tank to run in the middle all day. But when you need a clearance specialist, because He's hard to tackle, even in the game against the Saints. And I know the Demons are pretty ordinary, but he was their one shining, like kicked three goals. And all those three goals came from him being impossible to tackle. Yeah, well, it'd be great if they went to Petrarca and said, we're going to put you on the Jake, Jake Stringer program. So it's going to be six or seven years of gambling problems. Uh, you're going to get married really young. That's not going to work out. Uh, you're going to squander a lot of your talent. And then you're finally going to get it together. And everyone's <laughs> going to be happy for you. Anyway. Yeah. Just That's our plan. But the one thing is we might take your phone away so you don't text any supporters of the club. That yeah. seems, <laughs> there's one thing we can all agree on. That was going a little bit too far. No, I, um, I watched that uh, interview that he did, Jake Stringer, around the, tr- the trouble that he'd had with gambling in particular and how mm. everything else in his life had sort of... Which it does when you have that sort of horrible addiction. And it just shows... I mean, these guys are just, they have so much money, they have so much time and they're surrounded by these incentives and temptations. And if you're just a, you know, with all due respect, a dumb young kid 
who's suddenly really famous and has got a whole bunch of talent and got a whole bunch of money. <laughs> How can you say, with all due respect, a dumb young kid? <laughs> well, I mean, that was with all due respect. He's a, but he was. He was a dumb young kid. Like, yeah. that's giving him the benefit of the doubt, right? But I feel like that was the case. And I feel like he has he is trying to get his shit together and he's certainly playing really good football. Like, he's he's been great to watch. And I'm pleased that... I, I'm actually able to enjoy it. Like, I feel like there was enough messy shit that went on. I feel like we've come out of the divorce and yeah. now it's like you can be happy for your, for your, ex. your ex. And that's, yeah. that's about where I am. It was messy for long enough and it looked like his life was shit for long enough that you were like, okay, all right. Yeah. He didn't he just get on with things. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad. You know what? I'm glad he's found someone. They seem really happy together and it's good to see him at his best. I feel like he's actually really growing. To be honest, if it's been like this, when we were together, we never would have had to split up. What about Port Adelaide? Any haircuts stand out there? Uh, oh, well, you've got your sort of um, uh, Westhoff whole look. He's got a very distinctive yeah, look. That, yeah, that you throw that into the JJK yeah. excuse me, category. Him and Charlie Dixon yeah. as well. Yeah, I can't really think of... Uh, really Charlie's, is very, of- Charlie's is very distinctive too in that... It has that sort of um, shaved at the sides, you know, kind of Fitzroy barista sort of yeah, vibe to you've his. Got, it, it's the Max Gorn thing. Like you've got yeah. to have the big beard for that to to work. Otherwise, it's just a it's a it's a short haircut. But I can't really think of any. Who's the most flamboyant Port Adelaide player? Who's the one? Who's like the most electrifying, well, mercurial? The most electrifying player is Robbie Gray, and he is very nondescript. Yeah. Like, um, and then Sam, like Sam Gray, Boke. Ollie Wines, like none of them are particularly. No, but but who's the mercurial one? Like you know, maybe Connor the Rosie. best player. Yeah, at the moment, I guess. But again, Butters. he's yeah. But none of maybe them they've are... got. Maybe it's an Adelaide problem. Maybe yeah. that's the problem in South Australia, is that they just don't have enough flair. I mean, maybe they don't have the the right hairdressers in town. I mean, it could yeah. be an indictment on the Adelaide hairdressing community rather than it be an indictment on the Adelaide AFL teams. Maybe they should be looking at getting their hair cut while they're interstate for trips. Yeah. Why have you got, a, why have you got such a good um, you know, away record this season? Well, to be honest, it's our capacity to get our hair cut by decent barbers. We're just not getting that <laughs> level of service over in South Australia. So the Giants have got a lot of, uh, lot of long-haired uh, dudes at the Giants. You've got like... Um, Himmelberg and Phil Davis and yep. uh, what's his name? Haynes. They're, yeah, all got, they're all rocking the top knot and the ponytails and stuff. They're pretty good yeah. for, for long-haired dudes. Uh, I spoke about, yeah. They have a, they have a overabundance, much like they have an overabundance of good young talent, they have an overabundance of cool-looking haircuts. Yeah. Uh, I spoke about the Bulldogs, got Bailey Smith. Uh, Joe Hannison, of course. Oh, yeah. Although he's toned it down a bit since he got it's rid of the still, side. Yeah, but it's still pretty. It's a pretty solid haircut that he's got. Um, do you reckon though? Like, I mean, if he was working in an office with that haircut, do you think he'd be like, "Oh, that's a that's an adventurous haircut"? Yes, I you believe do? so. Yes, but considering his heritage, it's like, well, that's fairly common, right? Well, I like guess an so. Like but, that. Yeah, but it's not like, like you. There's a lot of you know. Every second person is of his heritage, so yeah. I guess at Frio, who would it be? The Ryan, that Ryan kick with his Eminem peroxide? Yeah, Ryan and Cox. Uh, Swans. Oh, geez. He's got the cool hair at the Swans. Because Buddy doesn't. Oh, Rourke Smith. Sorry. Rourke Smith at the Bulldogs <laughs> is the play because he has that Prince Caspian sort of He uh, yeah. Man yeah. style haircut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, it's unlike a haircut that is on anybody else in the entire competition. Uh, Dane Rampy, I mean, he's got a mustache. Does that count? I don't think it does count. I haven't, to be honest, I have not seen a lot of Swans games this year, so I don't really know. And look, I didn't even know who their best and fairest player winner was last season. So chances of me knowing who has their coolest haircut. But Jake Lloyd's doesn't have a exciting cool haircut. haircut. I don't even know. What, I still don't know what Jake Lloyd looks like. Is he a brunette? I believe he, he might have a mustache. Okay. Uh, at the Cats, Cam Guthrie has to be. 
That's the he's the cool haircut guy with that weird mop he's got on top. Oh, we didn't say bloody Dyson Heppel at the Bombers. Oh, well, we didn't do I, the Bombers. I, no, we didn't do the Bombers. That's why. Oh yeah, Dyson Sorry. Heppel at the I, Bombers. Anthony McDonald, yeah. Tip and Woody at the Bombers, oh, yeah. and yeah. last but definitely not least, Guelphy. Oh, Guelphy, yes. who's gone the peroxide blonde Malfoy from Harry Potter look. And then I guess the last name's the Sons, but who knows who any of those Sorry, who did we skip off just before we were talking about, before Cam we got the Bombers? Oh, Geelong. Cam oh, um, what's the new kid? The one with the dreadlocks? Grian oh, Myers. Um, Grimes, yeah. <laughs> Grimes, yes, Grimes. <laughs> Grimey Grimes from The Simpsons. Homer Pop Simpsons' star. enemy, Frank Grimey Grimes. <laughs> Pop star Grimes. Uh, pop star and girlfriend of Elon Musk. Elon Grimes. Musk, Grimes. <laughs> pop star, girlfriend of Elon Musk, small forward for the Geelong Football Club, Grimes. Uh, it's good to see JJK back in form. Uh, podcast favourite. Uh, seven goals on the weekend. Uh, look, here's the thing. I don't mind if these players... like. These like Buddy Franklin, JJK, big powerful forwards. If they have like three or four good games a year, and it's just three or four games where they kick a bag, then I reckon it's worth keeping them on the list. I'm not, or I'm not this of this Don Pike philosophy of like dropping players to send a message. Keep those players in because once every five or six rounds, if they kick a bag, totally worth it. Ah, uh, and I think Kennedy, he's just showed how good he can actually be. Um, he was playing on a guy who hadn't lost a contested marking contest for the entire season. And he, uh, mm. he was good, Kennedy. And kicked his 600th goal as well, which is, you know, pretty amazing. But he's mm. just one of those players. Like, it, it feels so funny to like West Coast so much. They're so yeah. entertaining to watch. Like, I loved watching them the, the other night. They yeah. Like, they're Indigenous players. Like, when you've got Rioli... And Jetta and Cameron Ryan. and Ryan. Like, they're four of the most exciting players in the entire league. And when they're, like, playing well together, it's so yeah. good to watch. And then they've got Darling and their backline's amazing Who too. Who would have thought that Darling would come good? Like, for so long, it felt like he was going to be another Quentin Lynch or Jesse White. Or, you know, Cozzy. He was just going to be that second banana kind of guy. And I know from a lot of my West Coast friends, they took a, a long time to warm to him. But now he's become like a really good, dependable, uh, you know, number two. Absolutely. And he's got himself fit and him and Kennedy work really well together. And Funny story about <clears throat> number two. I went uh, to see the Saints in Melbourne this week. A guest of the club, Will, I went to the uh, the president's lunch or the president's dinner, the little function they do before the game. And um, I got sat next to the parents of Josh Bruce, who were lovely. So I was chatting to them for most of the night. <laughs> and at one point, it wasn't until like my mate uh, Nick pointed this out afterwards, but at one point I was sort of t- talking to them about what a great year Josh is having and, you know, I just love his attack on the ball. And, and then I said, you know, Hopefully, like Max King, uh, the the key position player we drafted this year, hopefully he comes on next year. Because can you imagine, like, you know, if we have like a focal point attack and then Josh Bruce takes like the the second best defender, blah, 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 it'll be amazing. We'll be unstoppable. And then we walked away and my mate's like, so you just told them it'll be great when their son gets relegated to being the number two target up forward. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> didn't actually mean it like that. I was just trying to say, like, it'd be good for the team when we get like, like a like a really good tall for full forward. Yeah, I mean, look, all I'm saying is your son's great, but he's more a Peter Hellier second banana type than he is the main man. That's all. I'm, what? Hey, I love Peter Hellier. <laughs> then you just yeah, look. Then you do look, a you short, need... strawny impressions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, Wayne's world works only because there's a Garth. You need yeah. a Garth. What I'm yeah. trying to say is your son's a Garth. Garth is some people's favourite. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then, like, he went on to be the highest goal scorer of the game and the best forward on the ground. Yeah, and the best haircut on the ground. Like, I mean... Well, that was the other adorable thing. His mum had her Saint scarf there and pinned to the scarf were all the badges of Josh that have been over the years and each one is a different haircut. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So he's different looks. Yeah, because he started off with the, he had the shaved 
long on top but shaved on the side, a bit like a early 90s skater haircut look. Mm-hmm. And then when he came to the Saints, he had the top knot and then he sort of shifted to a bit of a shorter ponytail and now he's kind of got the more because he's a dad now i think he's gone the more conservative look it's not exactly short back and sides it's what would you say it's like a uh, stockbroker surfer haircut yeah absolutely <laughs> you, know the, you know what i'm talking about like well you know what he does bon- he surfs bondi, during the bondi day. professional yeah no he like he surfs during the day but he speculates on international stocks from a computer in the back of his van yeah exactly he's got got a lot of cryptocurrency right now <laughs> Um, how how were the Saints? How was the game? Was it fun? Like, I mean, yeah, Melbourne gave you a little bit of a scare early. Well, it wasn't until um, I read all the commentary afterwards that apparently it was one of the worst games of the year. <laughs> that's what a bit. That's what I found out afterwards. Um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, there was like eleven lead changes during their game, and look, mate, it's just good to have a win. Uh, when you go to those functions and your team loses, it's awkward. It always is. It's always a bit awkward. But um, now this was a good one. And I enjoyed watching. I'm very bullish about the Saints next year. Like, I, in a lot of ways, I think that, um, you know, they did a chart on, on the couch on Monday night about uh, players, games lost through injury. So the, the injuries your team's had this year and how much games experience you've lost. And we were the number one team. We'd lost almost 200 games of experience with the injuries we've had this year. So then I think like, well, we've had those players starting to come back in round about four, round 14, 15. And that's around about the time we sacked Richo and got him Brett Ratton. So Brett Ratton has actually come in at just the right time and we're starting to get like our more experienced players back. But I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Like I feel like the pressure's off, Will. I feel a bit like the players. Nothing to lose this year. If we like sneak into the eight, that's great. But I think I'm actually okay. At first, I was thinking maybe I want us to bottom out and get a draft pick. But I think, no, no, it'd be probably better for us to win the majority of the remaining games and go into 2020 with a bit of momentum. Yeah, I would love to see. If the Bulldogs can't make the eight, I want you guys to make the eight. Just so when they're about to toss that coin, the lights (laughs) go out and guess who's back by Slim Shady (laughs) starts playing as Richo comes down with his team of lawyers. Trigger! Trigger! He yells. Do you reckon that who are your, I mean, we say it every week, but who have you installed now as your premiership favourites? Richmond? Richmond and West Coast. West Coast. West Coast just ahead of Richmond based on, right. I, I watched quite a lot of footy on the weekend and uh, mm. based on my completely uneducated gut feel after watching a big round of footy, I think West Coast at their best is still better than Richmond, but Richmond are probably the next best team in it. But Geelong... Geelong did enough by the end of that Swans game to indicate that they might be warming back up into it, I think. And Co- and Collingwood are fucked. <laughs> Sorry, Collingwood, oh. but they're in real trouble. Well, it's a, I, I feel like, you know, this year, we felt like we've lost a bit with, you know, the losing of Richmondy and then Collingwood getting good. It sort of turned our AFL world upside down. But we could be in store for a delicious uh, triumvirate of AFL Delights will, which is that a Melbourne team that's going to finish second last, Collingwood, which could like plummet out of the final eight, I and Richmond priming themselves for their second cup, only to have another Richmondy performance in a prelim. Like we could get all three of those things this year. All three are a possibility. Yeah, I didn't have a lot that I hoped for at the start of the season. <laughs> I I hope that the Bulldogs would make the eight. Still a possibility. I said Geelong were going to win the premiership. Well, they've done nothing to suggest that they can't have a decent shot at that. And then I guess I just hoped that Melbourne would be terrible. And Melbourne have been terrible on a level that even I, the person who was most wishing for Melbourne to be terrible, I think, of anybody in Australia. I'm not sure Mm. there was anybody who actually had more of a vendetta and and more (laughs) just like staked into the idea that Melbourne were going to have a terrible season than I have. And I've got to be honest, Charlie, it's been immensely satisfying. Yes, I feel for the Melbourne fans. I feel for the supporters. You don't need to be putting up with this bullshit. But for I, who derives a great amount of joy from seeing Melbourne be terrible, this has been quite quite joyful. I mean, I do feel bad for Titus O'Reilly. Like, I feel like, I mean, he's sort of created this persona of being the long-suffering Melbourne supporter. But then this year, he couldn't help but 
I think, have some digs at Carlton. Like, yeah. it seemed to be Carlton were a regular target. And now it's coming back to bite him real bad. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's good. Like, is it? I think that's good for Titus too. Like, nobody wants Titus O'Reilly to be successful. Titus yeah. O'Reilly is funny because he's like this world-weary, you know, ever-suffering Melbourne fan and a lot of his mm. humour comes out of that. Like, we don't want... The Bulldogs are already ruined me, Charlie, for people. Yeah. They got Malloy. Malloy got across the line. He can't make self-deprecating jokes about Richmond anymore. I struggle yeah. to make them about the Bulldogs. There's not yeah. a lot of us left. you got to protect the ones you have. There's just me and O'Reilly. <laughs> you and O'Reilly. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, Roseanne went downhill when that family won Tats Lotto. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it's just hard to... That was the first time I'd seen Melbourne in, in the flesh this year, and it was hard to fathom just how bad they were. Like... Across the board. And it's all those players that were so good last year, like Clayton Oliver and, and Jack Viney and stuff. Like, Angus Brayshaw. I mean, just... Like, just... They look like plotters, which is so weird. I mean, I heard someone on SCN... I think it was Adam Cooney, who's not a... You know, doesn't mind floating a radical, a radical theory. But he was saying they should trade one of those three players. Because essentially, they're the same kind of player. Kind of inside mids with good skills, but do you need three of them? Maybe they should trade one out and get something and get someone else in that they desperately need. I mean, I don't know what they need, like a new team, but they've only they were they showed a stat on on the couch the other night, which is like they're only missing seven of their prelim final team in this year. This year, like they pretty much got their entire prelim team playing, and they've won five games for the year. Yeah, they've got most of them back now, but a lot of them had really slow starts to the preseason and. Didn't you know? Like I mean, Lever will be better next season. You know that. You know, there's a lot of those guys who are playing now, but are going to be better having played this season. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, we didn't have any players, and we're still won eight games. I think maybe Gary Lyons' oh, idea that la di da. Look at you <laughs> jumping on my board, my rubbing it in Melbourne's face bandwagon. <laughs> no, I actually do feel sorry. For Melbourne, not sorry enough that I want to see them do well. Oh <laughs> no, just no, I no. feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them. I need people to know that I do feel sympathy and empathy, and particularly for fans, long-suffering fans of Melbourne. I, you don't, you don't need to go through this, but if you mm. are going to go through it, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Should we look at next week's game? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've talked about haircuts for ninety percent of the episode. Job yeah, I watched done. a lot of footy this weekend and that was of no use at all to these conversations. <laughs> okay, Friday night. Uh, North Melbourne take on the Hawks at Marvel Stadium. Um, this will be a good game, I reckon. Old rivals. The Battle of Tasmania. Yeah. So they both had losses last week. North was a bit more humiliating than Hawthorne's. Yes. Hawthorne's was just like, it felt like bad skills. I think they'd kicked, was it like one goal 11 or something like that? Um, so you feel like the Hawks probably should win this game? But I don't know. I don't know. Let you pick first and then I'll think about it. I I think that North have gone off the boil a little bit. And I think this conversation around the fact that they're about to appoint Reshaw as their coach seems incredibly premature to me. Like, I think he might be the guy who ends up getting the job, but I just can't see what they get out of, like, appointing him now and not going through a process and seeing what they need in place. And look, they might at the end of that still come to the conclusion that Reese Shaw's the best guy for the job, but I don't, I don't understand what this mad rush to sign him as their coach is. Um, but I, I reckon they're going to bounce back. I reckon that they, they have a point to prove. Shin bonus spirit. They're back home. Uh, home game. Home game. Yeah, I'm going to say North Melbourne. And so it's a good point. Like, why is there a need to appoint Reshaw before the end of the season? Like, there isn't. It's not like it's they're not. charging into the, into the finals and they need stability. No, and there's, it's not like Reshaw's going to get any of the other available jobs. They don't need to lock him in. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick the Hawks in this game. I just feel like they should have 
been better last week. And Alistair Clarkson is just a fucking canny dude. Uh, I'm picking the Hawks. All right, on Saturday, 1.45, the Bombers take on Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Cool. Get out of the get out of jail bombers taking on an increasingly disappointing port. So port will win this game, won't they? Because they shouldn't win it. <laughs> That's how you tip. Well, I watched the GWS port uh, GWS port game the other night, and port should have won that. They right. they ran over the top of GWS, and then they just would bomb it into their forward line, and Haynes and uh, Davis would just mark it. But they should have won. They should have won port. Um, the Bombers should have lost. I reckon Port should have won and the Bombers should have lost. So it's hard to know what the form line is going into this. But you just feel like Essendon are maybe more on a... Essendon are more momentum. I don't know. These two teams feel about the same to me. Like, no. No. Essendon what do you are think? a much better side. Well, I feel like Essendon what, what, should why win. Say, why say you that? They're basically... Why, uh, yeah, they're only a game apart on the ladder or something. Two games, maybe. Yeah, but in terms of form, Essendon have won, what, four of their last five? What's the last? What's the form? Yeah, right okay. So I think Essendon on form, and they got a wake-up call. I mean, they were terrible against the Suns, and they still won that game. It was almost like tortoise in their hair. They just decided to go for it in the last quarter. And I just feel like with all the speculation around Ken Hinckley, a lot of pressure building on them. So psychologically, the power come into this game thinking that this could be a coach killer. So the players have got that weighing on their conscience as well. I mean, I don't know. It's not like Adelaide where you feel like maybe he's lost the players, but I just sort of feel like the speculation in the media will put pressure. I'm going to pick the Bombers in this game. Oh, You've talked me around, Charlie. I was going to pick Port Adelaide, but I'm going to pick the Bombers too. I mean, but now that you're agreeing with me, I think I should pick Port Adelaide. Ah! <laughs> Because Port sh- shouldn't win this game, which means that they will. All right, I'm well, going to pick now Port Adelaide. That makes me that's fi- my luck of the week. Well, I'm also going to pick Port Adelaide, and that's my luck of the week. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed. In, in the rules to what? <laughs> I don't know. There are no rules. Okay, the Giants at 210, uh, GIA. What's that again? Is that the uh, Giacarini Stadium? Oh, gee, Creedy Stadium. Uh, Giants take on the Swans. Battle of the Bridge. Battle of the Bridge, of course. Um, I mean, Giants should win this game, and they will. That's my that's my two cents. Um, yeah, I, it's at Giants Stadium, of course, and um, I think that, yeah, the Giants, I mean, I think the Giants are, are good, but they, uh, yeah, okay, Giants. They need to win it, so Giants. Okay. Uh, at 2.35, the Dockers take on the Cats at Optus Stadium. I mean, this is also another one of those danger games for the Cats where it's like Frio have been so shit for so long. And I just imagine Ross Lyon is just walking around, punching holes in walls and stuff, just terrifying his charges. Maybe this will be the one. I think, like my feeling in this game, it'll be ultra low scoring. Ross will go back to his old tricks of just like lockdown football, flooding, and they'll just... Arm wrestler victory in this game. And I completely disagree. And I think Geelong will win by probably somewhere near 100 points. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night, your beloved Demons take on the Tigers at the MCG. Fucking hell, wow. this could get ugly, couldn't it? Like, you couldn't think of more team, two more teams more diametrically opposed to each other in terms of like passion and enthusiasm and optimism like Richmond are on top of the ground at the moment. They're playing for each other. The fans are feeling it. The lid's blown off. And then you got Melbourne. Yeah, whereas Melbourne feel like they're playing to spite each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess Cochin's out. Does that do any damage to the Tigers' chances? It does a small amount of damage to their chances, but they've played without him this season and they won the other night pretty much without him all game. So and we should nah, we should that, probably talk right. about Tom Lynch as well. We didn't really mention him at all. He was pretty phenomenal against the Pies. He the is, last he, last month of football he's played has been very very good. And so I guess Lever goes to Lynch, which is not a bad matchup. But then that leaves you know Revolt with your second best defender. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, Tigers by hey, hang six on. goals. Are you just what? saying that Revolt is the Peter Hellier of this operation? <laughs> is he, Charlie? How does Pete Hellier get a drive-by on this I don't show? know why. He doesn't. I'm just... 
Uh, I'm picking the Tigers. Uh, I am. Yeah, you've got to, right? You've just. Yeah. It would be. It it just no. It makes no sense for Melbourne to win this game in any way. And, yeah. I mean, if this was Richmond of two years ago, three years ago, you'd pick Melbourne. Yeah. But this is a different Tigers because outfit. of Richmond. And I, and I sort of feel like, I, I don't feel that Richmondy is dead and buried as last year proved. I just think they're much more selective with when they bring it out. Like, I, yeah. I, I have a sneaking suspicion there is another Richmondy coming. Where that happens, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, Tigers won't lose this one. The other game played on Saturday night is over at Adelaide Oval, where the Crows take on the Saints. <sighs> a little bit of pressure. A little bit of pressure in this game for the Crows. Uh, Don Pike may have lost the players. Had them around for a barbecue on Sunday, mm. apparently. Barbecue uh, and pizza. pizza. Well, pizza. Well, pizza, pizza. And be- pizza and beer. Yeah, pizza and beer. Got together. Just uh, didn't really talk about footy much, but they just uh, hung out. Hung out with each other. Just like, just hung out. Just chatted about life and stuff. It's bonding. They're trying to do the, uh, what's what was the fucking camp they did run by? What was it? Collective Minds. The- yeah, so it was an uncollective mind. <laughs> We've got to... Uh, our minds individual have been too minds. collected. Yeah, individual yeah. minds. We've got a new organisation called Individual Minds. Um, I mean, look, the Crows really should win this game. But if the Saints were ever going to beat Adelaide at home, this would be the week to do it. I'm going to pick the Saints because I picked my heart rather than my brain. I am going to say that... Uh, I, I mean, I'd prefer Adelaide to lose. I, I don't know, actually. Saints and Adelaide, it's like one of those ones where both of those teams are going for that final spot in the eight, so there's no particular value. I'd rather see the Saints make the finals than Adelaide, so I'm going to pick, based on the fact that I want to see Richo uh, yeah, use his trigger clause. <laughs> I'm really behind this idea, Charlie. This is, I am actually, even if he doesn't get a lawyer, I might consult a lawyer myself just to check out what the legalities of this are because I'm going to demand it. Um, I it'd be great if the players were about to run out on the ground, and the banner the banner goes up, and it's just a giant blow up of Richo's contract, contract where it says there's a trigger With a clause, clause and circled. then the and then the players run through the banner, and on the other side, Richo's just standing there. <laughs> trigger. Um, so I'm going to say Saints. Brilliant Sunday. Early afternoon, one ten at the MCG, the Magpies take on the Suns. Um, Magpies ravaged by injuries. The Suns were brave. There's no real back-against-the-wall scenario in this, is it? If it was any other team, their backs would be against the wall and you'd just back them in. But even so, I'll go against my backs-against-the-wall theory. They're the favourites in this match and they'll win it. Well, I think there's only one theory that outweighs the backs-against-the-wall theory, which is they're playing the Suns theory yeah <laughs> this sounds a terrible theory that's that one neutralizer card uh, normally i go with uh backs against the wall guys but i think you'll find we're playing the suns so i'm gonna lock this in for the pies um yeah i think the pies have got to win that i mean this is they need an easy kill and gold coast were pretty brave on the weekend but i think this is colin will get back into form a little bit there's two games to round out the round <laughs> i didn't think that one through <laughs> <laughs> two games to finish off the round. Probably the two best games of the round. Uh, first up at 3.20 at Marvel Stadium, the Blues taking on the Eagles. And it's an enticing prospect all of a sudden, isn't it? Isn't it? Who would have thought that the Blues would have been going for four in a row and they're, they're going up against the team that I said is probably the premiership favourites and I, the, there's a chance that the Blues could win this game. Yeah. I mean, it's also a chance they'll get a reality check. I mean... They beat a team that is above them on the ladder, but are a bit of a mess right now. And they're coming up against an ultra-professional outfit that are the reigning premiers. So I think there could be an element of uh, Apollo Creed coming out of retirement to take on Ivan Drago and dancing around the ring, <laughs> like celebrating a bit too early. Uh, Carlton could get smashed here. That is my suspicion. I think they've been very good the last three weeks. But, I mean, the Eagles just look great. I'm going to pick the Eagles in this game. There's no better footballer in the competition at the moment than Patrick Cripps, I believe. I think he's oh, actually he's actually superstar. now the best footballer in the competition. Yeah, and impossible to dislike. 
I've said before on this podcast, I, I'm really trying hard to dislike him because I don't want to like the Carlton captain. And but he's so, he seems so lovely and so happy to be playing on footy. Right. And everyone just really likes him. And, just and he's good at it too. So good at playing footy. And it's so good to just look at him play footy. Yeah. Like you feel almost like a pervert because you're just yeah. like, just <laughs> look at how good it looks when he plays footy. How does he move like that? He's just so good at footy. Play some more footy for us. Footy man. Footy pervs. He turned us all into footy pervs. Patrick Cripps. Uh, who yeah. are you picking in this game? Uh, I would love to see Carlton have another win because I just think that'd be fantastic. But no, I think West Coast... Uh, uh, oh, a mate, very good team. can you imagine if Carlton beat the Eagles and then the next week it's Carlton-Richmond at the G? They'll get 90,000 for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but that is probably not going to happen. I don't think. <laughs> I think. I think West Coast will probably win. And the last game of the round is the Lions up at the Gabatoir taking on your boys, the Bulldogs. I reckon this will be a cracker. I mean, Bulldogs got it all on the line, everything to play for against probably the informed team in the competition at their home ground. You're up against it. I mean, the problem is they have a tremendous forward line and a tremendous back line and a tremendous midfield. <laughs> yeah, and a tremendous home ground advantage. They are yeah. a tremendous football team. I am, like, that Hawthorne game in Tassie, I'm convinced. I'm convinced yeah. that Brisbane, can, I'm convinced that Brisbane could, could win the whole thing. I don't think they will, but I, I now am convinced that they could. Um, I love watching Brisbane play. I think they're such a good team to play. Um, I probably won't enjoy it as much this week because they're playing against <laughs> my team. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I'll pick the Bulldogs because I pick the Bulldogs every week. But, you know, that's, yeah. that is purely with my heart, not with my head. I encourage everyone to watch this game. Because you're guaranteed to see, guaranteed to see Lucky Hunter looking bemused, quizzical, <laughs> at least once. And Lucky uh, Neal, by the way, probably will win the Brownlow. He's a super super player, and I can't believe that Fremantle let him go. I don't understand that in any way. Here's an idea: maybe you should rough him up. Yeah, that didn't really work so well last time, did it? <laughs> also, I'm not no. sure that any of our players are capable of roughing anyone up. No, you don't. Really you know have what? Any rough... Who's your enforcer? I'm... Well, Marcus Adams, but he plays for Brisbane now. <laughs> it's going to be really great when Caleb Daniel goes out to play on Marcus Adams. It'll be great. Uh, all right, that's it for this week. Uh, if you want to check out other great podcasts that Will and I do, both together and individually, you can go to tofop.com. You can also go to Facebook to check out the Two Guys, One Cup Facebook page. You can send us a message that way. We haven't done a mailbag uh, segment in a while. We, we'll get round to it. We'll get round to it. Um, we're also on Twitter. Will, you're going to be in Darwin? Darwin, doing the Darwin Festival, doing my Will Eagle show up there. So buy some tickets to that if you're in Darwin. Yeah, go to Go to that and uh, play on, not 15. Bo. We are two guys.